Well, hello, everybody. This is Greg Wareham with Your Mortgage Process. I want to take a little bit of time today to give everybody a market update as to what's going on in the industry. So as most people have already heard, the Federal Reserve had met in June and they decided to increase the federal fund rate by three quarters of a percent, bringing their target rate to 1.75. And you know, how does that really impact everybody? It really impacts consumer debt. Things like home equity lines, things like personal loans, things like credit cards. So you'll really start to see those interest rates on those items go up. It's the highest increase since 1994. In the plan of the Federal Reserve, or what they laid out to the public, was that rate could be as high as 3.5% by the end of the year. So if you have the ability to pay off your credit cards, you probably want to do that because you're going to see those interest rates increase between now and the end of the year. And the whole goal of the Fed is to get inflation down to 5.2% by the end of the year. On some positives, unemployment is still low and the overall economy is relatively healthy. As we've continued to see, the war over in Ukraine and COVID still continue to hurt the supply chain, which is continuing to put uh, pressure on inflation. Some market updates from the mortgage standpoint. So overall mortgage demand has been down month over month. Uh, Currently, it's down 75% for people looking to refinance. And more surprisingly, it's down 21% for people looking to purchase a home. Uh, Moody's, who's a big rating company, recently announced that we were in a full-blown market correction for housing. So we are going to see a little bit of uh, trends changing out in the marketplace. We should see some flattening of prices over the course of the next several months. When you couple that with the higher interest rate environment, you're going to just see things start to level off a little bit. Now, from an overall economy standpoint, there's really two forces at play right now. You have inflation being high and a potential recession on the horizon. The challenge with that is there's two different ways to fix those. So when you look at inflation, how do you get inflation down? Well, the playbook with the Federal Reserve would be to sell bonds and increase interest rates. That limits the accessibility to money, therefore getting inflation down. On the flip side of that, the way that you help fix a recession is you start to buy bonds and then you reduce interest rates, giving more accessibility to money. So they're going to be at odds with each other and we're really gonna have to see how things play out over the course of this year, really on a month-to-month basis, I could keep you posted as to what's going on in that arena. Uh, one thing I did want to highlight from a meeting with J.P. Morgan Chase, something I read by Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO of, of the bank, he, about a month ago, he had indicated that they had seen cloudy skies coming up on the horizon. And about two weeks ago at a shareholder meeting, he'd really updated that forecast to being a potential hurricane. And the reason for that is the Federal Reserve had decided in their last meeting in May that they were going to start selling a lot of bonds. Again, sell bonds to try to get uh, inflation down. And those bonds that are being sold, I mean, you're talking 70 to $90 billion a month in bonds. And that really starts to, to flood the market. And then the question becomes, well, who's going to buy these, these bonds and what's it do to the bond price? And I'm going to really reduce this into a, a, a for sale analogy. So if you go into the grocery store and tuna fish is on sale, well, why is it on sale? It's on sale because they have too much of it, right? And they're trying to move it. So you have too much supply with very little demand. And the same can be held true with, from a bond standpoint. 
if you flood the market with a particular product and there's more supply than there is demand, what happens? The price drops. And we could see a very similar phenomenon I have with the bond prices dropping if the Fed stays on its current course and there's not enough people to people, institutions to purchase these bonds. Uh, there is some concern that oil could raise as high as 100 or 150 or 175 dollars per barrel, which will continue to put pressure on gasoline prices. And bottom line, from a banking standpoint, banks are probably going to go down the avenue of just being more conservative with their balance sheet, right? So if you know that there's a hurricane coming and you're, you know, lending money, you're investing in different pro uh, projects you really need to take a step back, look at it, and be a little bit more frugal and prudent with some of the decisions you're looking to make. Now, how that impacts mortgage, residential mortgage lending, is yet to be determined because it's just a more complicated in industry with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, secondary institutions that purchase these loans. So I'll keep you posted as to any changes going on in that marketplace. Shifting gears a little bit here, I'm gonna shift over to the New Jersey market uh, some things published by New Jersey Association of Realtors. So May 2022, after two years of record-setting activity, there's signs that the housing market may be cooling, which we just addressed. Home prices and a surge of mortgage interest rates are slowing buyer activity, with home sales declining for the third consecutive month under the weight of soaring home ownership costs. And that's an important statistic. The National Association of Realtors reports existing home sales were down 2.4% from the previous month, being April, while pending sales fell 3.9% uh, during that same period. You know, it's extending the trend of recent months of seeing uh, home sales start to decline. Economists predict sales will continue to soften in the near future, which may put downward pressure on home prices. So again, I'll keep you posted with that and the impact of mortgage interest rates as well. When we get into New Jersey specifically, here's the statistics. New listings that have hit the market year over year change from May of 2021 to May of 2022. New listings are down eight and a half percent. Pending sales have dropped 10.9%. Closed sales have dropped 7.9%. The median sales price has increased. So this time last year or May of last year, the median sales price of a house was almost $400,000 and it jumped to $439,000. So that's up nine and a half percent. Now your average sales price has went from $499,000 to $560,000. So that's an increase of 12%. As far as the percentage of list price received, so that's a properties listed for sale, how much did it sell relative to the initial listing price? that's up 2.2%. So the percentage of list price received this year over last year is up 2.2%. Let me just explain that what that means. So last year, if you're purchasing a house for $100,000, that house statistically would have sold for $102,000. And that's May of 2021. In May of 2022, that same $100,000 house would be selling for $104,200. That's a 2.2% increase from last year to this year. Average days on the market have dropped from 35 days down to 29 days. So that's down 17%. 
in the affordability index, which is probably no surprise to anyone, that's dropped as well. That's dropped by about 30%. Houses are becoming less affordable due to the increase in interest rates and the appreciation in values. Now, the month of supply, this is, this is pretty good. It's kind of steady, right? So the monthly supply of inventory from this time last year to this year, that's down 4%, but it's really just fractionally down. Now, all these statistics can really depend on the type of property that people are looking at. So there's different statistics counted for single-family homes, condos, and townhouses in adult communities. And there was one thing that I really wanted to point out as a difference. When you look at the month's supply for single-family homes right now, the month's supply is down 4% from this time last year. When you look at condos and townhouses, that supply is down 17.2%. However, when you look at adult community marketplaces, those are up 18.8%. So that means there's a huge or there's a bigger amount of inventory in that adult community market than some of the other areas. And that's something to keep an important eye on depending on your overall blend of consumer, your overall buyer or seller. Now, I have statistics for every county in New Jersey. I'm going to just point out a, a couple of them for now. And if you need additional information on any county in New Jersey, you can certainly reach out to us, greg at yourmortgageprocess.com, and I can get that information over to you. Specifically, Monmouth County, New Jersey, the supply of inventory is up 27% from last year. Ocean County, New Jersey, supply of inventory is up 31% from this time last year. And then bringing that New Jersey average down, if you look at Middlesex County, that supply of inventory is actually down 44%. And I wanted to bring that to your attention because it really depends on when, where a particular buyer is looking to buy in. So if you're in Ocean and Monmouth County, there's more inventory, there's more things to choose from, where in Middlesex County, there's actually become less things to choose from. Good information for your, for your buyers that are looking in multiple areas, because a lot of people looking in Monmouth County could also be considering Middlesex or Ocean County. So as you see from those numbers, depending on where you're looking really can impact what type of inventory you have available. And folks that are looking, as an example, in Monmouth County, New Jersey, they may also be looking at connecting counties, Middlesex County, Ocean County. So as a professional in this industry, knowing the statistics knows where you can kind of show people more or less relative to how flexible they are when they're looking to buy. Now, I'm going to come back to this article from New Jersey Realtors that indicates the slowdown in sales has provided a much needed relief to housing supply. It's clearly the case. With inventory up 10.8% from the previous month, according to the National Association of Realtors. So going from April to May, overall inventory is up 10.8%. Although the supply remains down compared to this time last year, the trending is all moving in the right direction, right? So yes, it's down from this time last year, but when you look at the past couple of months, specifically month over month from April to May, the supply went up 10.8%. You know, as the nation continues to explore ways to solve the ongoing housing shortage, which is estimated to be anywhere from one and a half million to five and a half million homes, depending on who you're listening to, the Biden administration recently unveiled some 
plans with the housing supply action plan. And I want to get into that in a little bit of detail. So what's the housing supply action plan that the administration's looking to roll out? First of all, the administration views our issue in housing right now as an overall supply issue, right? And I don't think that any of us would, would disagree with that. You have more buyers and renters than you do housing available. And as a result of that, prices go up, rents are up, and uh, the cost of housing is going up. Now, to put that into perspective, the way that we value inflation in the country measured by the consumer price index one-third of that number is real estate related. So housing represents one-third of the overall consumer price index. With that flying off, off the shelves, properties flying off the shelves at high prices, that's what's contributing a lot to the overall inflation. And the five-year plan of the administration is to really bridge the housing gap. So how do you do that? The first thing that you really need to look at is new construction. So when you look at what new construction has been doing since the Great Recession in 2008, it's never really fully recovered. In this past decade, we've seen the lowest amount of new construction since the 1960s. And our population isn't getting any smaller. Birth rates still remain high and people are living longer. So without the additional housing hitting the market, you're going to have a challenge filling this gap. So the government's going to incent different ways to increase the housing supply. And let's just get into a little bit of detail with that. So they want to expand existing forms of federal financing for multifamily, construction to permanent, and chattel financing. And they want to incent it at the town level. So multifamily homes are clearly homes that are more than one unit, two unit, four unit, 10 unit. Construction to perm is a ground up construction, right? And then chattel financing is more a term used towards uh, personal property, things like manufactured homes or mobile homes, where right now you can't really obtain mortgages on those. You can, but there's only a handful of products. They want to increase the ability of someone to be able to finance that through a mortgage. You know, and I'll give you an example of the, the multifamily plan that's going on right now. As I indicated, the government's going to incent that at the town level. Princeton has recently adopted some multifamily provisions that have went into place, and they're building, recently seen some two-family properties go up, side-by-side -side duplex properties. And these are low to affordable or moderate income properties. These are $850,000 units that are going uh, on one lot. Now, we could probably debate the impact at the town level with how that impacts taxes, but it is going to try to help fill that need for homes, right? And just look at it statistically. So if there's a $5 million home shortage and you're trying to build single-family homes, that's 5 million single-family homes. If it's two-family homes, that's 2.5 million homes. If it's four-family homes, it's, it's 1.25 million homes. So you can see why the administration is going in the direction of trying to incent these multifamily homes to fill the gap. They also want to ensure that there's more government homes versus private investors. And I'm not talking about private investors like you and I that maybe buy a couple houses here, here and there. These are huge hedge funds and huge companies purchasing a ton of HUD-owned properties. I mean, currently the government's only purchasing about 10% of these HUD-owned properties and, they, and the rest is going to the private sector. They're trying to work to get that up to 50%. So there's more of a stability in the pricing 
and more housing that's controlled in that fashion. The administration also has plans to work with the private sector on fixing the supply chain and improving building techniques. So as far as the supply chain is concerned, government's trying to aid in trying to loosen that up a little bit. You know, that's probably a pretty complicated issue, and they have many different plans to try to facilitate that. As far as improving building techniques, really the area that you would look at with that is manufactured, modular homes, because it's just much more efficient to build a modular home, right? They're factory produced. If you look at a, a country like China, as an example, I mean, they put up these huge apartment buildings virtually overnight, and they do that because everything's controlled at the factory level. And they build them in the factory, and then they're just assembled on site. So I think you'll see a little bit of uh, relaxation around the modular homes from a lending standpoint. And also you probably see more of those coming to market. Now, from a building standpoint in 2022, although we've seen a, a huge decline over the course of the past uh, 10 years, it is starting to improve, right? So 2022, we'll see the highest amount of homes built since 2006. There's programs that the government wants to roll out to incent people to work in construction, youth groups, and unions. The reality is, is there's just not enough construction workers and skilled trade, tradespeople to be able to facilitate the kind of construction that we need in this country. Uh, so you're going to see the increase to the, to the workforce in that area. And again, just a cap, you'll see more modular building, more multi-unit building. I'm not here to debate it one way or the other, what the right thing or the wrong thing is to do. I'm more here to just give the information on it. So if you have any questions about the housing action plan or you have questions specific to your area in New Jersey as far as housing statistics are concerned, if you have any questions about the overall direction the Fed is going, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you about it. So feel free to reach out to me. And you can reach me a couple different areas. You can send an email to Greg at yourmortgageprocess.com, or you can reach us via telephone. That's area code 385-519-H-O-M-E. So 385-519-HOME, and that's 4663. So thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to this today. Please, again, if you have any questions, just give me a call or send me an email. Look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.